What up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. Before we get into this episode, I just want to go ahead and let you guys know that we are creating separate Instagram accounts for our different shows. So be on the lookout for those. We'll probably post it on our, our main Deep Dive Sports Facebook page, Instagram page, and Twitter page, just so you guys can click those links and get to them and follow them. But it'll be a lot easier to you know, digest that different content, whether that's Ohio sports related, you know, combat sports related, baseball, soccer, football, so on and so on. But thank you so much again for all the support. This week, we're going to talk about some college football, and then we're going to get into a little bit of a debate between whether we think Ohio, you know, basketball for Division One sports has been more successful over time then Ohio Division I football, and then we're going to kind of run down the Cavs and the Blue Jackets start, talk about, you know, the Bengals and the Browns, and then also kind of go back over the Guardians v. Guardians. And so to start it off, we're going to start off with Ohio State. So since our last episode, we did, you know, miss two games. So they played Penn State and Nebraska. So I just kind of wanted to get Greg's opinion on how he thought they looked like I've said all season, I wasn't underimpressed or overimpressed at all, um, especially with the Penn State game. I mean, they only had 466 total yards of offense. That's the fewest since last season's national championship game against Alabama. They were 16.5% in the red zone, one touchdown thrown by C.J. Stroud, matching his lowest game in this, this season, um, 3.1 yards per carry by uh, Trayvon Henderson, it just it didn't seem like a lot that I was super excited about for that game. And then with the Nebraska game, they they eked out a 26 to 17, you know, win. It was a slow start for the Buckeyes. They went scoreless in the first half or the first quarter, I'm sorry. And they haven't done that since that September loss to Oregon. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's like you thought it was going to go, especially in the Nebraska game, you thought it was going to go real good when Stroud threw that 75-yard touchdown pass, and you're like, oh, okay, this is the time that Ohio State's going to break it open. And then Adrian Martinez of Nebraska comes back and basically matches that touchdown throw with his own 72-yard touchdown. So uh, it it, it, it could have been better. Like I said, not, not underpressed, not overimpressed. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a little concerned about the offense but I'm super happy for the defense right now. They're kind of clicking on all cylinders. I think that, you know, obviously Penn State and Nebraska aren't like super high-powered offenses, but for Penn State kind of, you know, Clifford was able to throw the ball on their secondary. That's got to be worked out, but they were able to hold the team under 50 yards rushing, and then they were able to sack Clifford four times. With Nebraska, they were able to sack Martinez five times, and – they did hold the team to only 112 yards rushing, which for college football, I feel like is a little low. And then Martinez was on, only through for 248 yards, one touchdown, one interception. So I think that the defense has kind of shown that it can go out there and play against, you know, better talent and hold up against them. So hopefully that continues as we get into the season. I'm just a little bit worried about the offense because they kind of face two pretty decent defenses. You know, Penn State's not like Georgia or anything, but they're still pretty good. So that I kind of am a little bit worried about them going forward because they're so young. Obviously, you have, you know, Stroud and Henderson who are kind of starting their first games this year. And, you know, Henderson's a true rookie, a true freshman. I and I just don't know how they're going to fare when they go up against better defenses. So that's kind of something that we should look out for in the next coming weeks, you know, when they play Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, and just kind of see how they, they handle that, you know, adversity going forward. But like you, I'm not like impressed. I'm not like disappointed. Just a little worried about the offense and um, kind of excited to see where this defense goes going forward. But looking to this week, are you worried about them losing to Purdue this week? Or do you think that it's like a for sure win? Because you look at Purdue and they've beaten three ranked teams this year in uh, Illinois, Iowa, and Michigan State, I believe. And even their worst loss, which I would say is against Minnesota, they're even six and three. So, and then they, they lost to Notre Dame and then Wisconsin. So do you think that Purdue has what it takes to beat Ohio State or are you not worried at all? I'm not necessarily worried. I think that there was a lot of mistakes made by Michigan State in that game against Purdue that led to that loss. And I don't think that the, the Buckeyes 
will learn, I said, they'll learn from those mistakes of watching what Michigan State did. And I think they're, they'll practice enough. I'm, I think it's going to be a closer game than, than predicted, but I'm not worried that they're going to lose. I think they're, yeah, I mean, I'm confident that the Buckeyes will win, but I just think it's going to be kind of like what we've seen the past two weeks. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think they win by no more than, you know, maybe 17 points. And that might be like towards the end of the game where they just pull away. But I, I do I do see this being more of like a one or two, you know, possession kind of game. And and I don't know, like Purdue's not like all world, but they've shown that they can play tough against good teams and they've beaten good teams. So if Ohio yeah. State, you know, like that offense is young, like I said, if they if they make mistakes, if CJ Stroud turns the ball over, then that kind of opens the door for them to to win this game. So that'll be something to watch out for. Yeah, as long as the defense shows up, I think that the Okay. All right. Moving on to, I believe, our last topic. Well, no, sorry. Second to last topic within college athletics here. I did want to get your opinion on the first two college football playoff ranks. The first two, are, you know, are, well, the first one I thought was what was to be expected. I was a little shocked with just because Michigan State was 8 0. They mm-hmm. hadn't had any necessary quality wins, but they had put them in that number three spot. Right. So, you know, I could have put them in maybe four and put Ohio State in in the three, but I mean I get it. Their their strength of schedule is a little and I knew that they were gonna put out Cincinnati. We've talked about that for, for a while that it, we didn't think yeah. Cincinnati wasn't gonna make the top four unless some some major things uh occurred. So that first one definitely not. And even kind of this the second one come out, you know, obviously Georgia's Georgia's got it. They're already going to play in Atlanta. They've already basically won, you know, their their division and their their the SEC East division titles theirs. So they can just kind of relax on that. Again, we just talked about it, but the Michigan State lost Purdue kind of bumped that team down. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did was I was most surprised even out of all of this, not even in the one through four, um, was that the fact that. Uh, eight and nine where they put uh, Michigan ahead of Michigan state when Michigan state had beat Michigan. And I thought that that was, that was who's actually in these. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that. They put Michigan state on the second one above Oklahoma. Who's undefeated at nine and zero. like, I, I like, I mean, I understand Oklahoma, you know, hasn't really played like, like the best talent, but at the same time, like they're playing quality teams at least, you know what I mean? So like, I just feel like having Michigan state at seven on this one and then Oklahoma at eight, that's just kind of a little bit, I don't know, disrespectful. I think that only that Michigan state only dropping down four when Purdue wasn't even in the top 25 when they beat them. Like I don't understand they moved them. I think they moved them to 19, you know, for the the second ranking, but only dropping them down four was kind of, I don't know, especially when you have teams like Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State you know what I mean like I just feel like maybe they should have dropped down more to like 10 um, because I just don't see how you lose to an unranked team pretty much you are only dropped down four spots and I didn't personally like the first one I thought the first one was kind of I don't know I know Cincinnati's not going to get in the top four unless some crazy things happen but I just feel like well they didn't do themselves any favors by doing a 28 to 20 win over Tulsa no, like if you yeah. want to show, and we talked about this before, where where Cincinnati's going to need to win out, win out big throughout the rest mm-hmm. of their games to really even be considered. And it's just like, I mean, but they did show that that Georgia game last year. I mean, they were a bad call yeah. away from beating Georgia last year. So yeah. you have a lot of returning people. So it's it's just it's weird. I think that they have the talent there, and I think that if given the chance. <sighs> I mean, they it's, could it's a, go up against somebody different, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a one. You have one chance to win a game. I mean, it, it anybody can win a game. I just I feel like not just not giving them the opportunity to go out there and show that they can compete with the the big guys is is I don't know. It I get it. I get why they're not in there. But at nine and zero, it's like, come on, like put them in, put them in over. I don't care if you put them in over Ohio State because Ohio State had a loss against Oregon. You know what I mean? But put them in over Oregon. Oregon had a had a bad loss to Stanford. Like Stanford's not really that good of a team this year. Like I don't understand how Oregon's even number four at that point. You know what I mean? And, 
And if you're going to punish Ohio State because Oregon lost to Stanford, then go ahead. But Cincinnati being at six and then moving up to five, obviously, because of, you know, Michigan State's loss. I, I don't know. I, like you were, you said it, they have to hope for pretty much Oregon to lose. If Oregon loses, then Cincinnati will move into the top four. And then as long as they went out, I could see them staying there. But again, you have Oklahoma sitting there. And if they went out and win their conference championship, then what are they going to do with them? So I don't know. We could probably talk about this all day, but definitely interesting. If you guys haven't taken a look at the rankings yet um, for this week, go ahead and look at it. Obviously the top five is Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio state, Cincinnati, and then Michigan and Michigan state, Oklahoma are the first three out. So, but if you're interested in the bottom half of that, go ahead and take a look at that. Moving on to a little bit bigger of a topic is going to be, I wanted to get Greg's opinion on whether or not he thought that for Division I athletics in Ohio, if he thought collectively basketball was better than football or football was better than basketball, you know what I mean, over, I guess you could say maybe the, the history of it. I wouldn't say all the way back to the beginning, but we could probably say since later or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we could go far back, but I don't think we're going <laughs> Football is more popular sport than basketball. It's just a given. It's nationwide, citywide, high school to college to professional. Football is more popular than basketball. It, it, it is, I don't see that changing for millennia. So... And it comes down to collegiate sports and, and what we're talking about with just the Ohio and D1 type stuff. I mean, when it comes to collegiate you know, sports and the D1 sports, I think that when it comes to collegiate basketball versus collegiate football, we've shown that a, a basketball team can have a 500 season and, you know, it's just a rebuilding or it's, it's good. It's this, that, and the other. But if a, if the football teams have, you know, a 500 record or, you know, seven and five season or six and six, they're looking to replace the coach right away. So I, I I don't see how basketball can ever supersede the popularity of football. And it's it comes in waves. I think that Ohio State, you know, and, and basketball and, and Dayton were really good a couple of years ago. And we saw Dayton actually 2020 COVID probably could have won the national championship. Um, you know, but obviously we didn't have a, a, a March Madness 2020, but they were, you know, going to be the number one seed easily. So you know, Ohio State goes back and forth between good good seasons and bad, but, you know, Ohio State is... For this question, you have to answer, outside of Ohio State, who has been successful in sports, right? So, obviously, for football, when you look at the stats, I think Ohio State has eight national titles. They have seven Heisman winners. They obviously probably have, like, over or close to 500 guys drafted in the NFL. You know what I mean? Probably since the NFL has been, you know, created. And then when you look at you know, them for basketball, you know, Ohio State has won national championship in basketball, but they also went to the five, 39, But outside of that, when you look at football, there's just really not the same success as there is with basketball. So when you look at like football, obviously we have eight division one programs here in Ohio. And then you have the uh, Youngstown, which is, they're pretty successful within the FCS. I think they've won four FCS titles. And then um, kind of going back through all the draft classes, kind of counting everybody, it's definitely over a thousand people from Ohio universities have been drafted in the NFL since I would say about 1940. So it's definitely, that's definitely pretty high, but just like the, the national championship success rate just isn't there. But when you look at like basketball, we have um, three total titles as a state, but it's only between two different schools. So one is Ohio state. And then the second one is Cincinnati. Cincinnati has two of the three. And it's actually kind of funny when I was looking at the stats there, Cincinnati went to the national championship three years in a row and Ohio state went three years in a row. So Ohio state went in 60, 61 and 62 and Cincinnati went in 61, 62 and 63. So Ohio state won it in 60 and then Cincinnati beat Ohio state in 61 and 62. And then Cincinnati lost. And so there was like a weird dominant run there between both of those programs. So that's pretty cool. But you know what I mean? When you look at tournament appearances between schools, it's around 150 times. That's, you know, collectively, that's our programs from Ohio have made it to the tournament itself. Um, teams have made it to around the 32s about 70 times. Sweet 16 around 50 times. Elite eight around 35 times. Final four around 25 times. And then they made it to the championship game around 15 times. Obviously, they only won it to three. 
So that's not like a great average, but, and then going back and kind of counting the, um, the draft picks since 1947, it was around like 260 players. Now I could be off on some of these numbers because I had to go back and like count these individually because there's not a site that um, collects all that data, which is crazy. But that's about an average of like three and a half per year people drafted into the NBA, which is not bad because you only think they only have like about two rounds for the majority of their existence. So I don't know. I, I think like popularity wise, yes, I think football is always going to be more popular than basketball, but basketball is pretty close. And when you talk about like success, I just think that basketball as a totality has had more success, you know, for division one programs in Ohio than what football has, because it all predicates on Ohio state for football. Nobody else really has had that, you know, same amount of success as Ohio state has. Now, obviously Cincinnati is building a program that maybe in 10, 15 years, we can look back at and be like, Hey, they have had some crazy success and we have to change the answer to this question, but I don't know. You got anything else on it? No, I mean, only like Mike Connolly has been able to like one guy that's really broken out in the NBA that that has become yeah. like a superstar and not just a, like a, a you know a bench player. And when but when you look at the NFL, like I said, you've got so many guys that are, are, yeah. are offensive and defensive line guys and and QBs. I mean, the Justin Fields is he's having a decent season. So I'm just saying that the the ability to move forward playing in Ohio State. Or Ohio football versus Ohio basketball. I mean, you, have a, you have a ton of guys, too. I mean, because what you had, you know, Deontay Johnson came from Toledo, I think. Didn't Kareem Hunt come from? And then, you know, Josh Cribbs came from Kent State. Like, there's, there's a ton. Of, like, listen, the next level of sports, football has definitely dominated more than what basketball mm-hmm. has here in Ohio. But Ro- Roethlisberger from Miami. Julian yeah. Edelman is from, uh, from Kent State. Like, yeah. So I think James Harrison is from. Kent State as well, or Toledo, one of those two up there. So, yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree when you talk about, like, the next level. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like I said, there's a there's a ton of, like, there's a ton of stuff to dive into. There's probably a ton of more stats that, you know, we didn't find. But go ahead and uh, let us know in the comments what you guys think. Is it basketball or football has had more success within Ohio Division One athletics? Um, obviously, I think Greg's leaning more towards football. I'm definitely leaning towards more – basketball but that's just at the college level yeah well i think it's it's more honestly like uh, it's a generational thing i think in the in the 50s and 60s basketball in the midwest was a big thing with what indiana was putting out and what ohio mm-hmm. state and stuff like that championships that they were able to do so i think it just comes in waves and i think that at some point in time basketball could come back and, and be more of a favorite but it's just a matter of, of the times and the eras and what what you know happens yeah i agree all right moving on to our next topic we're going to talk about some professional athletics within ohio now so um just like a a quick question i kind of wanted to get greg's opinion on who has been more impressive so far is it the seven and five cavaliers or the seven and three blue i I would say both (laughs) (laughs) i I just didn't expect either of them so uh, i've been actually quite uh happy with with what's been going on i I think that that if we're going to talk about the Cavs, you know uh i watched the game uh kate cunningham the number one overall pick uh, versus jalen green number two overall pick it was last night and they were decent games but who would have thought that evan mobley the third number one or the third pick overall would be having a better season so far than the other two you know he's he's statistically you know, he's averaging 14, almost 15 yeah. points a game, eight rebounds, two and a half assists, uh, one and a third blocks, you know, and he's leading them to a, a decent seven and five record. You know, he's only played 11 games and he, I think the best player on the team by far and it's a 14th ranked defense in the NBA. But if you got to think that it, since 2017, the Cavs have ranked 29th. 30th, 29th, and 25th in defense. So Mobley coming in and, and stepping up, I think that that's phenomenal. Now on the, the flip side with the Blue Jackets, I think Borkstrand has is, is just become, for lack of a better term, a maestro. Uh, his ability to make things happen all over the United States with hard work, you know, the vision he has. He's one of the sneakiest, best shots in the world. And I think Borkstrand is a very, very underrated player in the NHL. 
I'm really, really surprised at his abilities. I mean, with 13 points on five goals and eight assists through 10 games, you know, the only other person to do that is Rick Nash. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited either, either side of it. You know, I, I agree with you. When, when we looked at both of these teams going into the season, you were like, all right, if, if we can get out of this season with around a 500 record and just see growth, you know what I mean, especially from a lot of these young guys. But I think what both organizations did is they went out and they injected youth into this, into both squads, but they also injected some really good veteran like presence. You know what I mean? When you look at the Cavs going out and bringing in like Ricky Rubio and bringing in Laurie Markinen and Jared Allen and, you know, even Kevin Love seems to have some weird second wind under him. I, I don't know if he's just excited to play or whatever it may be, but he still has the knowledge of the game. You know what I mean? So when you couple that with all these young guys like Darius Garland and Sexton and Okoro and Mobley, and it just, it seems to be fitting like perfectly right now. And then when you kind of look at the Blue Jackets, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're in rebuild. But they kept a lot of their like core guys from the past couple years that may not have been like all world, you know, game changers, but they were like, they were really good, solid rotational pieces. And then they added a bunch of young guys in kind of like the Cavs did. And, you know, those young guys are playing fast and hard, kind of bringing a lot of new energy into the situation. So, you know what I mean? I, I'm excited. I, I don't want to be negative. I don't know if the Cavs are going to be able to continue what they're doing as we get farther into the season, as teams kind of start to click better together. I mean, I hope they can, you know, that obviously that defense being 14th and, and you kind of look at all the all the really good defensive big men they have. And I don't know, it'll be interesting. I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think I'm impressed in either one. I'm just impressed with both. And I'm kind of here for along the ride. I, I don't want to have any expectations. I don't think anybody should have any expectations. I think right now we're playing with house money. And as far as they get, they get, you know what I mean? I guess once we get closer to the playoffs, if both teams look like they're going to make a pretty, pretty good run there for the playoffs, then maybe we start having some expect, expectations. But at this point, I think we should just have fun watching them play because they're young, they're fast, they both play hard. It's going to be interesting going forward, you know, years to come as they grow and get better, and, and it'll, it'll be crazy. So, But moving on, I did kind of want to go back over, you know, it's more of a funny topic, but, you know, the Guardians suing the Guardians um, and just kind of go over, you know, different questions within it. You know, I kind of want to know, Greg, if you've heard anything new about it. I, I tried to look up something new and I haven't seen any new developments in it, but I didn't know if you had found anything new about it. I mean, the, in the lawsuit, the the Guardians Roller Derby versus Cleveland Guardians Baseball Company, LLC. Um, MLB as a whole knew that the Guardians existed. The Roller Derby existed months, months before the name changes. And, you know, Major League club can't simply make a smaller team take a smaller team's name and use it for itself it, it goes in the same category you can't have a team that's going to go into new york and or, you know hi we're a lacrosse team or we're gonna but we're gonna call ourselves new york yankee yeah. or i'm gonna i'm gonna be a a a you know rugby team in in portland and we're also gonna call ourselves the trailblazers mm -hmm. you, you can't just you can't just do that and um the thing is it's the Guardians, the the MLB team, it's doing some shady stuff, dude. They filed their trademark application in Moratus, Moratus, which is a small East African island nation. Yeah. So they filed this basically somewhere where nobody know unless they knew where to look. Mm -hmm. So, and and what's funny is that you know baseball is saying, well, there's no conflict and everything's good, and roll your derby team saying. Guys, no, this is messed up. If you go on as of right now, the Cleveland Guardians, you know, guardians.com, whatever, is got the roller derby stuff and the Twitter handle and the baseball stuff is still using indians.com and at the Indians. So uh, I think this thing is far from over and it possibly could go into next baseball season. So you might not see that change happen. Yeah, I mean, like the next question I had for you was just like, I guess how how weird is it? You know what I mean? Like even even when you kind of look at like you go to ESPN, you know they're calling them the Guardians. You know the people of the city are calling them the Guardians. Like themselves are calling them the Guardians. Like what do we do when we get to the point where you know, like you said, next season and they're not the Guardians or 
they never get the name of the guardians like <laughs> i guess i guess how how weird is that how awkward is that going to be like i don't know like that's crazy if anything i think that the guardians roller derby team is basically going to stretch this out as long as they can so that they can get the biggest payday and be able to suffice and then change the name and or move themselves to columbus and become the columbus guardians i don't know toledo guardians i don't know maybe move cities but i just think that when it comes down to it the the billion dollar business that is major league baseball the billion dollar business that is espn and fox news you know fox sports news and nbc news and or nbc sports and all that that conglomerate of business is too big and is too strong to stop a roller derby team yeah. fighting for this for this name like i said i think it's well i don't want to get into like conspiracy talk and stuff like that a little bit off topic but i mean here's like here's a question do you think that because obviously i don't i don't really think that ownership really wanted to change the name that much you know what i mean i don't know obviously we kind of saw how upset the fan base was by the name change do you think maybe this was done on purpose so that they don't change the name you know what i mean because like at the end of the day it's like how do you the question keeps coming back of like how do you not know that they're there like obviously you know that they're there but you just think that they're gonna roll over or did you do it on purpose so this came out so then it dragged into next season so they're not making merchandise so now as we get closer to next season they just are the indians still like so they still get what they want you know what i mean like i got that just I, I get that kind of weird feel from it. Obviously, I don't want to get like too deep down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, but <laughs> I don't know. What do you? Think? Yeah, no, I'm not, and I I definitely get that. You know, like I said, they're they're with the woke uh, society that is is now you know come to the forefront. I I think that definitely, I think a name like the Redskins had to change because that was very derogatory. Um, but you don't see the Braves doing anything to change their name. You know, and 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 I don't think the Indians was as derogatory as as it could have been, or, or or people would have taken it. And they weren't a team as long as they were without that. It's weird that they could have. Honestly, I thought that they would go with the Cleveland Spiders because that was the first made, you know, first professional baseball team in Cleveland was the Cleveland Spiders. So how super easy to change. You know, we've seen that the the Tampa Bay had the devil rays and that took a while to get used to but now they're called the rays and it works so not conspiracy theory deep down but it it was a decision that was poorly made yeah and that kind of brings me into i guess the last question on this topic is you know after what we thought to be the growth of a winning stable franchise you know starting about six years ago you know how do you feel about this like incident on top of you know the team's fall the past couple of years like do you do you think that they can kind of come back from this and, and get back to a more winning stable franchise or do you think that this is just you know traditional ohio professional sports i mean cleveland is not a top tier destination their farm system has been one thing that's kept them for years abilities to scout high level talent has kept them afloat for years and obviously then we see that uh, players get high you know get a certain amount of success and then definitely move elsewhere Lindor you know is a perfect example Manny Ramirez back in the late 90s you know I could name 100 guys that have come through Cleveland and somewhere else I think a little bit right now has to do with coaching um you know Terry Francona has been out all pretty much all of this season doesn't know if he's going to come back next season so there's this uh, big toss-up with with coaching who's in charge who can I trust you know and I, I think that like any, you know, higher caliber baseball team. And, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're top tier, but they're definitely second tier when it comes to, to baseball. They're, they're not mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Pirates. Or, I think they will. They'll, they'll come back at some point in time. They'll have top level talent. And it's just a matter of pull off at executing, you know, what everybody wants to have happen, which is mm-hmm. a, a serious title. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, for the city's sake, I, I hope they, they get back to – some sort of stable franchise because I, I know I know when baseball is good in Cleveland they're they're happy up there you know what I mean obviously they love the Browns they love the Cavs but I think baseball just has a a more deep-rooted history within that city and when it's good you know they, they seem to be having more fun and, and being happy so 
All right, moving on to our next topic, which we are going to be talking about another Cleveland sports franchise, which is going to be the Browns. Now, obviously, I wanted to kind of hit on the OBJ release and, you know, whether or not they are really better without him. Obviously, you know, today he signed with the Rams, which is a team that I told him to sign with um, on two minute drill. So maybe he listened to the episode. I don't know. Um, I told him Matthew Stafford would get him the ball. So we'll see. (laughs) Um, But do you think that they're really better without OBJ, Greg? One thousand percent. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback without OBJ. Stefanski is a better head coach without OBJ. He he is was a toxic individual, and he caused Baker Mayfield to second guess a lot of his reads, a lot of his looks, because he was concerned that he had to keep OBJ happy in some way, shape, or form. And even if it was that second look, or even the first look to OBJ, whereas he could have uh, passed to Landry or somebody else just he took too many looks away from Baker Mayfield just because OBJ was just a a prima donna and you know it's funny because we talked a little bit about this before but he needed to go somewhere with somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford a very established quarterback who's who's just going to basically look at him and go shut up I'm going to throw to who I'm going to throw at. If you're open, you're open. And if I can make the play, I'm going to make the play. Mm-hmm. If not, keep your mouth shut and do your job. And I think that with this, you know, receiving core that they have now, you know, Cooper Cup is obviously having a Pro Bowl season. You know, Robert Woods has been doing great. I mean, if anything, I think he's the number three guy on this this Rams mm-hmm. offensive, you know, wide receiver team. And I, I just, yes, to answer the question, the Browns are, he's a trash individual. Oh. <laughs> um yeah I'm, I'm gonna agree with you I, I think they're better without him but only because it just he just didn't fit the system I, the Browns don't need a guy who is going to demand 15 targets a game they need they need multiple guys that are going to do whatever it takes to win and they're going to do mul- they need multiple wide receivers who are just okay running routes and maybe only getting four or five targets a game because that offense is going to run off of that run game so they are going to run the ball, you know, 20 to 30 times a game, and they're not going to throw the ball that much just because it's not necessarily all on Baker that they're not going to throw the ball that much. It's just that's the way that Kevin Stefanski runs his offense. And then when you look at Baker Mayfield as a quarterback, he's not really like he's not really a guy that wants to take chances. He wants to take care of the ball. He wants to put it in the guy's arms that are open. You know, he wants to make he's going to make a lot of pre-snap reads and pick where he's going to throw the ball. And you're right. If he's always having to worry about getting OBJ the ball, even if he looks over there and goes, he's not going to be open. He's still giving him a look and wasting time that he could be looking at somebody else. So, yeah, I I do think that team is going to operate a little bit better, especially because they just have a bunch of dudes who want to win games. So and then, you know, like like you said, but the Rams, he's going to go there and, and Matthew Stafford's going to sling the ball around because Matthew Stafford doesn't care if he throws a few picks as long as he gets four or five touchdowns in the game. I and mean, that's just the way Matthew Stafford plays. So it's not bad. It's not it's not good. It's just he's, he's a gunslinger. So that, that's what it is. But you're right. He'll go there and Matthew Stafford will be like, hey, run your routes, get open. I'll throw it to you if I throw it to you. And that's what it is. So but we're going to go, what, about four hours south, go to Cincinnati. We're going to talk about the Bengals. and. Um, I think I, I think I got a little egg on my face. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll just uh, what's what's next for the you know the Bengals? They've had two pretty disappointing losses. Like obviously the Jets was like that was just that was a bad one. I I don't know. I can't really describe that one. And then the blowout to the Browns. I mean I don't know. That's what it is. But when you look at the remainder of the games, they got the Raiders, Steelers, Chargers, 49ers, Broncos, Ravens, and Browns. So what's next you know what I mean do you do you think this is their downfall or do you think they get a couple more wins I mean this division is still pretty close so I don't know I I think that they get a couple more wins but I'm not you know I said it before I said again I said at the beginning of the season uh, I've said it pretty much throughout the season they've had some garbage wins and they're lucky to be our now cohesion is the best word that I can use to describe what the Bengals don't have you can't establish chemistry if you have a revolving door of of players coming in and out and i think they're now on their fourth different right guard and and that just you know what i mean it just it just doesn't work that way when you you don't have 
Mm -hmm. same people in Joe Burrow has been sacked 25 times. He's been hit 22 times this season. You know, it's just, they show glimpse of improvement, but I I just don't see them making the playoffs or even coming close to. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they seem to take like, you know, two steps forward and the steps back. It's obviously, you know, the loss against the Browns, it is what it is. It's a divisional game. You hope not to get blown out, but at least the Browns are considered a good team. You know what I mean? But that you can't lose the Jets. You got to win that game. I mean, that's kind of unacceptable. So I don't know. And I just don't see them getting many more wins this season. I mean, obviously maybe the 49ers could be a win. The way the Chiefs are playing, that could be a win. You know, I, but but the Raiders are looking good. The Steelers are starting to hit a stride. The Chargers are the Chargers. The Broncos aren't looking bad. I don't think they're going to beat the Ravens, and I don't think they beat the Browns. I think the Browns beat them again. So unless they, like, figure it out, like you said, you know, get a little bit more cohesion on that offensive line, I just – I don't know. It definitely, like – it was crazy because when we talked, they were first, <laughs> and now they're last in the division. And it's – but that – you look at the whole AFC, and it's like – I think there's one team. It's just the the Titans. They're 7-2. and two. That's it. Everybody else is is um is like right around that like five and four, five and three mark. So it's not like they're far off from being in playoff contention. It's just I just don't see them getting there because if, if they can't win against the Jets and they're gonna get blown out against the Browns, where are they at? But again, we've seen them win games that they shouldn't win. You know what I mean? Like that I don't know. But yeah, right now I got a little bit of egg on my face. But I did call that last episode that we did. I said they're gonna lose to the Jets just because I've been hyping them up a little bit. And you know what? That's the last <laughs> time I hype up the freaking Bengals. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was trying to be impartial because I'm a Steelers fan and I really don't like the Bengals. But <laughs> I was trying to be, you know, unbiased. And I was like, wow, they're like doing pretty good. I was like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and then you know what? That's it. That's the last time I do that. You lost your chance. <laughs> so. That does it for our topics for this episode. Obviously, you know, we're going to move into our double take segment. But before that, we're going to hit our sports rundown real quick. When you look at the crew, they finished the season strong on a three-game win streak. They did finish ninth in the conference. And unfortunately, they finished one point out of the playoffs, which just really sucks. I mean, you kind of get you, you get another win or two and then maybe you squeak in. But it is what it is. I'm super proud that they finished strong and hopefully they can take that into the next season. When you look at the Blue Jackets, obviously we talked about them earlier. They're on a three-game win streak. They're seven and three. Um, they continue their four-game homestand on the 12th against the Capitals, the 13th against the Rangers, and the 15th against the Red Wings. When you look at the Monsters, their affiliate team, they're four and six on the season. Not great, but they their next games are against the, the Rochester Americans on the 12th and 13th. Moving to the Browns, they're sitting at five and four, third in the AFC North. They, they play in New England next on the 14th. The Bengals are five and four as well. They sit fourth in the AFC North and they are on a bye week this week. So they have lots to think about, about their last two sad losses. When you look at the Cavs, they are seven and five, sixth in the East right now. And and I know it says sixth, but the only reason they're sitting at that, that point right now is because a lot of the teams above them have just played more games. It doesn't necessarily mean their record is better, but they are as well going to continue their four game homestand against the Pistons on the 12th. Then the Celtics, they played twice in a row on the 13th and 15th. Moving on to Ohio State University, when you look at their football, they are 8-1, and one, ranked fourth by the CFP, and they play number 19, Purdue, on the 13th, and then number 7, Michigan State, on the 20th, as long as Michigan State doesn't lose. Men's basketball is 1-0. They barely beat Akron. Their next game is against Niagara University on the 12th, and then they play BG on the 15th and Xavier on the 18th. Women's basketball is also 1-0. Their next games are against Norfolk State on the sorry, Norfolk State on the 14th and Bowling Green on the 17th. Their men's soccer finished the season 6-9-1, so not great. And then the women's soccer was 9-8-2 on the season. They did lose to Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, but they do start playing the NCAA tournament on the 12th against Virginia Tech. Moving on to Cincinnati University, their football program is 9-1, of course. They are fifth, according to the CFP at this point, and their next game is against South Florida on the 12th, so hopefully they get a big win there. When you look at their men's basketball program, they are 1-0 as well, and they look to play Georgia on the 12th, Alabama A&M on the 16th, and Presbyterian on the 18th. Their women's basketball program is 1-0 also, and their next games are against Bella, Bella Marine on the 12th, OU on the 16th and Utah on the 19th. Women's soccer finished season seven, seven, and 
when you look at Ohio University, their football program is three and seven on the season. Obviously, they've been struggling, but I do believe they're on a two-game win streak, so they do play Toledo next on the 16th, so maybe they can kind of continue that against them. Their men's basketball program did start the season off 1-0. and Their next games are against Cleveland State on the 13th, Robert Morris on the 15th, and they do play Kentucky on the 19th, so that'll be an interesting game if you kind of want to watch OU play a top-tier team there. And then when you look at women's basketball, unfortunately, they did start the season off with a loss, but they do have a chance to redeem themselves against Liberty on the 13th, Cincinnati on the 16th, and Mercyhurst on the 20th. Their women's soccer program finished 11-5-2 on the season. For Bowling Green, they are sitting at 3-7 and seven for football as well. They play Miami of Ohio on the 16th. For men's basketball, they started 0-1, so they have a chance to kind of go in the win column there against Ohio Wesleyan on the 12th. Ohio State on the 15th, and Norfolk State on the 19th. Their women's basketball season has yet to, I believe they're playing right now as we record against Tennessee. For the men's soccer, they were 10-4-2 on the season, and they do play Northern Illinois on the 14th in the MAC tournament semifinals. For women's soccer, they were 11-6-3 on the season. They won the MAC championship against Kent State, and they are set to play Michigan in the first round of the NCAA tournament on the 12th. So a little bit of success there at Bowling Green for soccer. When you look at Kent State, they're five and five on the season. For football, they play Akron next on the 20th. Um, Their men's basketball program doesn't open play until the 12th against Xavier University. Women's basketball open the season one and oh. They play St. Francis on the 14th and John Carroll on the 8th and you winning. And their women's soccer finished 13, five and three on the season. For Toledo, their football is five and five as well. And again, they play Ohio University on the 16th. Men's basketball opened up one and oh. Their next games are against Detroit Mercy on the 13th and Oakland of Michigan on the 17th. And then their women's basketball one and oh. Their next games are Wright State on the 13th and Dayton on the 17th. And women's soccer finished 10, 6, and 4 on the season for Miami of Ohio football. They are five and five as well. So a lot of 500 teams for football in Ohio. Their next game is against Bowling Green, like I said earlier, on the 16th. Their men's program did start 1-0 on the season. Their next game is against Lamar University on the 13th, Stetson University on the 17th, and Heidelberg University on the 20th. Women's basketball looks to continue their win streak as they are 1-0 right now against the University of Illinois on the 14th and Xavier University on the 17th. And then Akron, they're sitting at 2-8 for football. They play Kent State next on the 20th, so maybe they can get another win. Who knows? Their men's basketball program unfortunately lost their first game, but they play Point Park on the 13th and Wheeling on the 18th. For women's basketball, they are 1-0, and they play against Robert Morris on the 13th and Youngstown State on the 15th. And then for men's soccer, they did finish 9-5-3 on the season. Last but not least, looking at Dayton University, their football program is 5-4, and and then they play Davidson on the 13th. So look for them to get another win there. Their men's basketball program did start 1-0, and their next games are against UMass Lowell on the 13th, Lipscomb on the 17th, and Austin Hay on the 20th. And then for women's basketball, they are 1-0 as well. Next games against Duke on the 13th, Toledo on the 17th, and Purdue on the 20th. Their men's soccer program finished 6-9-3 on the season. Women's soccer finished 12-6-2 on the season, and they actually lost unfortunately, in the A-10 championship again. That was Sports Report for the past two weeks and next two weeks. Again, guys, let me know if you enjoy that. I know Greg is over here hitting himself in the head because that's a long sports report. But if you guys like it, if you like being updated by all those things, um, let me know. If you want updated maybe outside of the episode or you like this, just like I said, comment, let me know. Um, We're going to move into our final segment, which is going to be our double take segment. So Greg can come back in and stop staring at me. Um, Greg, what is one thing you think will happen in the sporting world over the next two Nick, you act like I don't. Do I stare at you? I do. You just got such a handsome face. So that, you know, I'll never put that as, as a negative. I, I always enjoy looking at you. So my expectation or, or my um, thing that will happen over the next couple weeks is I'm just going to go right to Sunday and I'm going to go right to the fact that the New England Patriots are going to beat the Cubs. Ooh, I, I, I agree. <laughs> Especially with, with Chubb and Hunt being out. Uh, yeah. I think that Mac Jones is, is coming into his own. 
Patriots are putting up more points per game. Uh, they're averaging about the same points per game as far as yards go. I mean, yards per game. Uh, and But uh, Browns are giving up more points. But So the last time the Browns beat the Patriots was all the way back in 2010. The last time the Browns won 34 to 14. I'm looking for maybe a 24 to 17 type of win for the Patriots this this week, but I think Patriots are going to come come out on top on this. Uh, obviously, if you have not listened to these at all, you know that I'm generally wrong on most of these. So who knows? I think I think we're about 50-50, but who knows? We're not professionals. We don't play these sports. We can't help him go out there and win. I'm sure if Greg could suit up for the Patriots and go throw a couple dimes, he would. But I agree with you. I think they're going to win. Without a run game, I mean, Dearness Johnson is is good, but I just, I don't know. I think that Patriots team is pretty solid, and I think they get the win. We'll see. If the Browns defense steps up, who knows? But my prediction for this week is I think by the next time that Greg and I do Ohio vs. Episode 12, we're going to be looking at the Cavs at least three more wins. So... I think that they have a pretty good matchup coming up before before we meet again, um, and I think they get at least. Three. And I just I think they keep rolling. I don't know if they blow any teams out, but I you know the Pistons, the Celtics, and then the Celtics again. The Celtics are in turmoil right now, and I don't know. I, I think that I think that's a recipe for success for the Cavs right now for a team that seems to be clicking. Those young guys seem to be following the uh, the vets lead, and Ricky Rubio is kind of playing like a crazy bird. We'll see. I think it'll be fun. But moving on to our last part of our episode. Woo! We are going to do the one crazy thing that you saw, heard about, or happened to you over the past couple of weeks since we met last. Greg? What do you think the world record is for potatoes? Like potatoes grown or potatoes? No. Pounds. Like how big of a potato? What do you think the, the world record is for a potato? How, how many pounds was the world record potato? Um, 220. It's a potato. You're shooting for the stars on that one. It's not like a watermelon or a pumpkin. Okay. Hey, it's listen, a potato. You, you came out here with this crazy question. All right. I'm like, this has to be one big ass potato. All right. So I was so, like, I could go with 50. How about this? I'll change my answer. I'm sorry. 50 pounds. No. Yeah. The previous world record for the heaviest potato was 11 pounds but recently colin and donna brown were weeding through their garden in new zealand and his hoe struck something huge beneath the soil so they knelt down and started digging around the object and he wondered what it was he thought maybe it was a fungal growth maybe it was a giant puffball he didn't know so he pried it out using his garden fork and he said you know what i'm gonna taste this 17 pound potato and it breaks the world record 17 and it breaks the world record for pounds of poundage of a potato and they named him doug because they dug him up so they have a 17 pound potato named doug it's all about the dad joke doug i dug him up see like i don't know i was kind of hoping it'd be like really heavy like a really big potato but i get it it's just a potato 17 is pretty heavy though that's a big potato it's a lot of french fries all great cares about uh can i have 17 pounds worth of french fries please that's a that's a lot holy cow yeah yeah i guess like that is is more impressive i I guess you had to break it down into french fry for me because potato just wasn't doing you you gotta think an average sack of potatoes is probably only about eight to ten pounds and that's a sack of potato that's a big you know sack so really that's it yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe my concept of like poundage. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this picture up later. Did they have a picture Probably. of it? Yeah, they did. They did. It looked freaky. But it was there. Yeah, it was there. Was it like was it like as big as like a dachshund or something like that? Or you know, big as a s- small baby. Hmm. Interesting. Alrighty. Well, from um big potatoes, my crazy if you guys have never had a puppy before, then the whole period of them losing their teeth and getting new ones is not a fun time. I don't know what it's like to go through kids losing their teeth. I know what it was like to go through losing your teeth as a kid, but I don't know what it is to go through having a kid losing. But I don't know. It's got to be pretty close to my dog. He's just bleeding everywhere, chewing on everything. He yells at me. Like, my dog literally yells at me. He's in pain. I feel bad. I wish I could do something about it. But 
it's the craziest thing. I I don't know. It's just been every day this week. I've been stepping on teeth and stabbing me in the foot. He's been bleeding all over everything. So that's that's pretty much what I've been dealing with the past two weeks. I wish I was dealing with a giant 17-pound potato, but I'm not. You know they I'll have some like over it because I don't want them to be hurting anymore because it's not very nice. But they they have some like aura gel for dogs you can put on their their yeah. gums to to alleviate some. Yeah, we've so... been doing that a little bit and then giving them lots of ice cubes. He likes uh he likes just holding the ice cube in his mouth and and letting it like melt. So I've been cleaning up lots of water spots on the ground. He likes to eat them on the couch so the couch is all wet. So you know it's just been been fun. I I do I do hope he he gets over it you know what i mean because i can see that he's in pain because i'll just be watching tv and he'll just start yelling at me so never really had a dog yell at me before but that's like i said my, my things aren't always fun they're just real life real life shit here so i don't know i want to go back to this potato though i'm gonna look up a picture of that you guys should look up a picture of it and go ahead and post a picture of that potato in our comment section so that's so that i know what it looks like <laughs> Um, but that is it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us as always. Greg and I have a blast doing this show. Um, I, I think that you can tell by how much we pick on each other, go back and forth and laugh about it. But, you know, I just kind of want to give a, a special thank you to whoever is listening to our episodes in um, Des Moines, Iowa, and then Washington, because y'all are killing it. I mean, you're killing it everywhere. Everybody's killing it. Thank you to everybody. But over the past like couple months, I think especially the past like week, we've had like a, a lot of people from Washington start listening to our episodes of our show. And then the past couple of months, Des Moines, Iowa has been killing it as well. So, you know, we just want to kind of give a special shout out to you guys and let us know who you are, like comment on our stuff. Be like, hey, I'm the one listening to all your episodes and, you know, maybe we'll uh, get your information down. We'll have you on an episode and, and kind of go over a topic with you because that'd be super fun. Obviously you, you love sports and you love, you love listening to us talk about sports. So I, I'd love to talk to you, but again, thank you to everybody who's listening to our episodes. We enjoy doing this and be on the lookout for those um, special Instagram pages for our different shows. And as always, I am Nick joined by Greg. This was another episode of Ohioverse presented by deep dive sports until next time. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.